Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Rooted Deep, a podcast featuring Reba Bowman and Allison Hale. And welcome to the Rooted Deep podcast with Reba Bowman and Allison Hale. And this is Allison. I am so excited to be talking about what we're talking about today. Um, Reba and I are just, our hearts were knit over this subject, I guess, maybe what, 10, 11 years ago when we first yeah, met. Just, I think just so. Just talking about um, not just women's ministry, but women's ministry on a global scale, marginalized yeah. women. Um, and, and our eyes were starting to become open to um to global to the global problem of exploitation trafficking and um and so i'm excited today first of all we're going to be just talking interviewing one another or asking each other questions about what's going on in our personal ministries with dare for more ministries as well as as mercy workshop and then um we've got some 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 other stuff to be announcing later so reba let's start with you um with dare for more you started dare for more started women's ministry, church ladies, and yeah. it's, and, and then you started taking those church ladies overseas to show them what was going on, maybe past their outside their door. And, and now you've stepped into something exciting and totally new and down in Central America. Tell us about it. Yeah. So yeah, just like you said, you know, uh, basically starting in the U S so speaking and doing conferences and retreats, which, which I still do. Mm-hmm. Um, but it has a whole different vision now than what it did 15 years ago when we started. In fact, we're celebrating our 15-year anniversary mm-hmm. of Dare for More Ministries uh, this year. And so it's been quite the journey. So, you know, that's how we met going down to yeah. the Dominican, kind of having my eyes really open to the plight of women. And I think really, Ali, what grabbed my heart so much is that although women in the U.S. have struggles, so let's just lay that out there. We yeah. know uh, you may be a woman listening to us right now and you're like, I've got a stack of problems right now. And I'm like, <laughs> totally, I get it. So we're not minimizing the problems mm-hmm. of women in the U.S. at all. Um, we realize there's trafficking in the U.S. There's, there's all kinds of abuse and poverty and all kinds of issues. But when I stepped out of the U.S. borders and into a global scale, what I found was that the resources for help mm-hmm we're so different than what they were for the U.S. It's not that that women in the U.S. don't have problems. It's just they have actually resources Mm -hmm. that could help them in abundance um, in the U.S. Whereas, you know, when we step onto the streets of San Pedro or when we step into different places, like we're just getting ready to step in Guatemala, Mm -hmm. it's completely different. Yeah. So um, we started partnering with you guys there in the Dominican, mm-hmm. and we learned so much from you and um, started building this bridge of, of connecting women in the U.S. to women overseas yeah. who are what I would say in crisis or they're at a critical point of their mm-hmm. life yeah. um, because we're, you know, therefore is really about not just it's about rescue but it's also about restoration and it's right. also about prevention. Yeah. So, you know, we're looking to try to say, okay, how can we speak into one of those three aspects mm-hmm. for these women who maybe because of extreme poverty or abuse or, uh, or trafficking mm-hmm. are, you know, find themselves at a point of crisis. Mm-hmm. And so we've prayed for years that God would give us an opportunity to go to a place that, there was little 
going on for women. So where those resources were almost nothing. Okay. Yeah. And we found God opening doors in Guatemala, which was mm. not what I was expecting. Right. Exactly. That's so exciting. No. Just to, when you, when you're talking about women, um, in with basically with vulnerabilities, what we like, what we like to do down here in the Dominican is we like to establish what their vulnerabilities are, whether it's because, whether it's like you said, poverty, whether it's widowhood, whether it's abuse or neglect. And this is something that I learned from my mentor, um, almost, you know, 15 years ago, talking to her about the different risks that mm -hmm. women um, that women encounter, and it could be a natural disaster. It could be yeah. like down here, it could be hurricane flooding. Something all of a sudden creates vulnerabilities that, yes. like you said, in a country like the United States, there's support and there's there's government support, there's social programs. But in a, in in countries um, similar to Guatemala, Dominican Republic, and some of the other mm -hmm. countries that we've visited, once that vulnerability starts it's yeah. a hole and it gets deeper and deeper and deeper and, and they need, they yeah, need it really it. does. Yeah. You know, when we were in the, uh, Nepal, um, you know, the earthquake hit Kathmandu and mm -hmm. devastated that area. And our contacts there were telling us that within, mm -hmm. within 48 hours of one of the most devastating earthquakes to hit an area, mm -hmm. uh, recruiters were coming in from trafficking organizations and yeah. offering to buy people's children from them mm -hmm. because they knew people were living in tent cities on a grass on a grass area that I actually stood in and mm -hmm. they were desperate to feed their children. They had lost all of their ability. All of their rice was gone. All of yeah. a year's food was wiped out mm -hmm. in one moment. And yeah. so now they're like, Hey, we need eliminating children would be a positive thing. And, you know, it, it's so hard mm -hmm. to wrap our minds around. Uh, maybe you're listening and you're thinking I would never do that but you've never been there, you know, and that's what I would say. Um, I, I think that it's easy to say I would never, um, I would never do that. I would never, mm -mm. you know, I'd never make that. And we can make these really bold statements, but the most of the time people who say I would never do that are people who have never been in that situation. Right. And so, you know, and without Jesus in that situation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, you know, uh, those moments, can, things can be solid one moment and at a massive crisis the next. And that's where uh, being able to have opportunities where these places where women can go for rescue, mm -hmm. restoration, and, right. and skills training, which is something, Allie, that we learned so much from you, because as you were out on the streets of the Dominican, mm -hmm. one of the things that you saw were women couldn't feed their families. And so immediately there needed to be a way to help that woman feed her family. Mm -hmm. And you guys are doing that every day. Yeah, well, we started we started working with just the hierarchy of needs. I know a lot of you guys have heard of that. It, just the hierarchy of the basic, and this is something that Jesus modeled in the Bible. Sometimes he knew Absolutely. this person needed to be fed, or he knew this this person needed to his eyes needed to be open. Literally, he was blind, and so he would establish he would he would establish um, that base need, whatever it was, the physical need. But then he would go further up into the spiritual yeah. and the emotional. And, uh, and that's what we started doing because we can't go and, and uh, again, this is biblical. You can't just go up to somebody and say, be warmed and filled and right. just walk away. It just right. blessings on your head, you know, and right. you yeah. had to be like, Jesus blessings loves on your you. head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and they were saying that we know Jesus loves you, loves us, but we have no way to feed our family. And a lot of the women were belligerent um, in what, like in my face, what would you do? And because yeah. I had never been in that situation. 
I would eat. And there are several women in our church here in the Dominican that are like, I would never, ever do that. And I was like, if your child was hungry, think about it again. You know, and I don't, I'm, I don't want, we want to offer them something else. And so that's where the skills training came in. That's where the job, the, um, the job opportunities, we, we needed to give them a different way to feed their family so that when we're talking about these vulnerabilities and these risks and these choices, they have, they're, they're, they're making these decisions from a safe place and from a safe emotional and spiritual um, mindset. Yeah, you know, I remember hearing a lady, she was a Dominican woman, probably in her mid-40s, that was giving her story and her testimony of growing up in the village and knowing that she was going to hit puberty and knowing what that meant mm-hmm. and what that, how that would change as she started developing as a woman, how people would look at her differently in the village and how that put her at a great risk and girls just like her at a great risk. So I think it's important for people to understand that many of these women now um, were, uh, were, were abused as children. Right. Um, they were they were raped as a child. They were uh, they were sexually assaulted mm-hmm. by family members or by people yeah. who or they were you prostituted know. out for money yes. by their by their own families. Yeah, yeah. So this is not something that that's so far away from their thoughts um, yeah. or their you know the ideas that they're developing. So I think all of those all of that background brings a woman to say, well, if it worked once, maybe it would work again. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And that's where, and that's where you and I met and started working together out on the yeah. streets. Even in San Pedro, I allowed you to, uh, you did. Obligated. I, I was obligated to allow you yeah, to, come, big, uh, to tall, come out. <laughs> big, tall, blonde big, lady. Yeah. This big, tall, blonde lady, uh, out in the middle speak of, Spanish. Uh, who does not speak Spanish. No, not very. Yeah. No. Hola, como esta? That's it. I'm done. Right. Exactly. So, yeah. But and, it, and know, that, it was incredible to be out the streets mm-hmm. with you. Um, even though I did stick out, um, it was, it was important, I think, for me to understand the, you know, because we met a woman that night who had, it was her first time on the streets that night. And we were able to talk with her and thank God she crawled back on a bus and, and went back home because you were there to offer her another option. Right. And I think what a beautiful picture that I got to see that in that moment, that every night, and you don't know what day or night that's coming with, that women are placed in these point, these places of decision. And if there's somebody there can, that can give them another option. Mm-hmm. Wow. What a, that's really what it's right. all about. Exactly. Exactly. It's choose this, not this. And yeah. um, the choices are so much easier, probably in, in, um, in the United States. There's, like you said, there's more options. There's, there's more programs, yeah. but in, you know, where we're serving here in the Dominican Republic. And like you said, in Guatemala, they're facing specific and real clear and present dangers they are and yes. and it's like if they don't do this this yeah. will happen to them or their children and so tell us a little bit about the context in Guatemala specifically yeah you know well it started to show up on my radar researching because I'm always researching and praying over places in the world because I'm thinking all right Lord maybe one day you'll let us go to where there's a need and there's not a whole lot happening for that need and so it shocked me that Guatemala kept kept showing up on the radar as numbers, especially um, during the COVID time period, numbers began to skyrocket Mm. around the world. But we saw this real extreme uptake in Guatemala. And um, if you look at a map, you'll see that you've got Mexico to the north of Guatemala. And to the south of Guatemala, you've got Colombia and Venezuela. And 
there is a drug trafficking pipeline um, that runs directly through that route from Mexico to, to Colombia and to Venezuela. And so as you look at cartels, as you look at drug trafficking, you also find that there's human mm-hmm. trafficking. Yes. And so what we began to see is that there's this, this pipeline that led right through Guatemala just right through the heart and of the country. Just to give everybody some context, when, when we're talking about, you know, the drug, the drug traffic, trafficking and human trafficking, a lot of times it is going along the same time tri, uh, pipeline because, and this is one of the things that we've heard in our research, is that, okay, if you sell drugs, people use that drugs and then it's gone. But mm-hmm. a human body can be used over and over again. And that's why human trafficking has been has just exploded. And then you're just like, okay. Then when you hear that weight, you know, um, yeah. it's it it just it really should affect you. Yeah, really. You know, I heard somebody say this once at a symposium where I was speaking, and I thought this was so great mm-hmm. uh, because it was an FBI agent, and he said, if a guy's riding down the road and he's got ten kilos of cocaine in his trunk, and I pull him over. I've got him dead to rights. Yeah. But if a man, if I pull a guy over and he's got two women sitting in the back seat of his mm-hmm. car. Yeah. I don't know who those women are. They could be right. friends. They could be family members. They could yeah. be girlfriends. They could be whatever. And mm-hmm. I don't have him dead to rights, although right. he is committing a crime and he's trafficking those drugs, just like uh, those women, just like he has the drugs. Right. But it's much, much harder to catch. Yeah. And yeah. so I think that there's an awareness, you know, mm-hmm. of wait a minute. Um, people are being transported. Uh, they're being lied to. They're mm-hmm. being tricked. They're being deceived into believing mm-hmm. uh, all kinds of false things and thus falling into these situations. But yeah, so we, we began to find that this was happening. Mm-hmm. So we, we, we've explored a little into the country of Guatemala only to find that the outreaches for women there are minimal. Mm-hmm. We've got, there's one safe house in Guatemala City, uh, which you have to understand if it's in Guatemala City, that it's only accessible to the women who live right in that area. They only yeah. have a small number of beds there and they're constantly filled. But if you leave Guatemala City and you go out, there's nothing for the women in the villages and in the surrounding areas. Uh, there's a temporary shelter opportunity as well. Um, and there's a few little, little things like that, but nothing really significant that's really saying, Hey, we're helping women and, and yeah. this is what we're looking to do. So, um, so we started exploring what that would look like. And it, you know, as God would, would miraculously open door after door, after door, after door, after door, um, we're at a point now where we're getting ready to launch a capital campaign to purchase mm-hmm. land and to build a safe house, uh, in an area called San Lucas, uh, which is positioned really strategically. Uh, close to Antigua, but also uh, in a very close connection to several villages, um, mm. so that it would be a, it would be in a really important place, uh, important yeah. location. Um, and then part of the arm is the safe houses, and then the other piece is uh, women's training centers. So some women have to be they have to disappear, but other women they can they can they have a place to live. Uh, mm. They're okay as far as that's concerned. But they need counseling. They need um, trauma-informed care. Mm -hmm. They need help. They need a skill. They need something either as an arm of prevention or as a rescue uh, for them. And so 
we're also looking to have women's training centers actually pivotally placed in these village locations so that there'd be a women's training center in a village. And that way, all the women of that village would have an opportunity for access to that. Right. And then we just continually place these training centers in key village locations. So, I mean, the work is already happening. Um, yeah. We're excited. Uh, we, <laughs> we've launched, it's crazy, Allie, what, what you get into now uh, <laughs> as a result of this, you know? Oh, I mean, yeah. I don't think either one of us ever planned on being businesswomen. Right. Yes, that, that was not on my radar. Yeah. But here we are, the next thing I know, so we, we, one of the skills we're going to give the women is coffee. And so we just got our first 100 bags of coffee um, that we're doing a pilot test run program on. We sold out. In fact, we launched it on, I think it was Friday. We sold yeah. out of ground on Friday. So right. we still have whole bean for those of you who have a grinder, but we sold out of that. So we're really excited about the opportunities there. And then um, we're looking to launch a home good line. So there's going to be skills for that. Mm. But, um, but even little, we're, we're creating ovens. And uh, in one of the villages right now, we're doing a test run with two small ovens installed in women's homes. And they're going to mm -hmm. start a bread baking project. Yes. And oh, wow. so, so there's, you know, there's not only food for their family, but mm. also a skill that they can learn. And right. then the opportunity maybe to sell that bread in the village, an yeah. opportunity to, you know, to expand that, that work. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, who knew, I mean, you know, it, it, to, to rescue a woman means you roll up your sleeves and you jump in right. and you get involved in bread in your case, jewelry, you know, coffee, yeah. whatever it looks like, you mm -hmm. know, wherever you're at. And when you, when you think about, um, Moses, Moses's call to, mm -hmm. um, to deliver the Israelites, you know, from Egypt, from slavery, um, God asked him what is in your hand? Look at your hand. And it was a staff. And yeah. uh, I've used that so many times because I'm like, God's like, okay, what do you have in your hand right now? And um, for a little boy in the New Testament, it was little loaves and fishes. Um, for, for Moses, it was like, whatever you have in your hand, God is going to take it and multiply it, use it to um, minister or rescue way more than just you or way more than just your family. Oh, and that's what you're doing. And I find, I find, I do find it funny though. And I'm going to just mock you. You don't even drink coffee. So no, yeah, so you don't even know where your whether your coffee is good or not. I've tried. No, I don't. It. It's good. <laughs> yeah, it's so true. No, I don't even drink coffee, so I have no idea. Um, but what I love, and I think it's so true. Um, you guys make jewelry. Mm -hmm. uh, Mercy jewelry is, I mean, absolutely gorgeous pieces uh, of jewelry that you could find. I mean, your jewelry could be laying on any place in New York City or anywhere else, which is what I love about your jewelry is because. It's not a pity buy. We never ask mm. people to buy because you feel sorry for somebody. Right. Yeah. Right. This is like put on something cool where, you know, and say, hey, let me tell you what this supports, what right. this, what this does and what this makes a difference. But I do think it's just so creative how God gives us this, this mm -hmm. world of skill sets and yes. world of opportunities mm. to help a woman step from where she's at to a place where she's able to stand on her own two feet and with, and with um, worth and dignity to be mm. able to sustain and support her family right. in a way that brings her honor instead of a way that, that brings her shame. Exactly. What we were finding out with the women, um, many of them were, were being prostituted out on the street. They were prostituted women. And so they would lock their children in the house at night and then they would go out, their kids would be sleeping. And so they would be up all night in the streets 
And then they would come home and then they would just collapse. Um, and they never actually were awake at the same time with their children. And so the bonding that normally would happen with a mother and a child wasn't happening as quickly because they were never awake at the same time. And so it was, it was interesting once they came into work at the, at the workshop and they were working during the day, during daylight hours. And then they could, they were like, it's amazing going home at a, a normal human hour where humans go home and they can spend time with their families, eat dinner. And that was, even that was so healing, not just to that particular woman, but to her family and, and being able to step into that and say, listen, that we're not just changing. We're not just giving you a, a a check at the end of the week. Um, We're changing the dynamic of your, of your home and, um, and helping you be a better mother. And that was just, just by giving you time. Um, and so that was really, that was one of the things that we, we did. It was a secondary thing that we hadn't even thought of until the women were like, wow, I, I didn't think about, you know, being yeah. in time with my kids at home. And that was, that was amazing. Yeah. It's pretty incredible. And, and I think, you know, as you see women learn to be entrepreneurs, they learn business skills, they learn, they get time with their family. They begin to develop their own relationship with Jesus Christ, which strengthens them and really helps them to be able to walk through through situations in a way that they've never experienced before because they didn't mm-hmm. have any resource of help. You know, right. everything was just, you know, figured out. Uh, mm-hmm. So I do love that. But now, Ellie, you guys are stepping into um, an exciting time in your ministry where you're looking to get some land yourself and do some mm-hmm. things. So, t- I mean, talk about that because it's so, I think this is so awesome. One of the things that we've, um, we've seen over the past few years, uh, some of the women do need long-term residential care. They need a 24-hour place, not just, um, not just because they're running from somewhere, from someone, but in their case, a lot of times, then the neighborhood environment where they live or in the barrio or wherever they are, the, um, because of, and, I, and COVID has really affected this. They're, the Johns that used to um, exploit them out on the streets are just coming to their houses in their neighborhood or yeah. um, the, the, their abusers live right next door or their, um, their pimps or their former, um, their former traffickers live in that barrio. And so we needed to give them a place to set their feet. And so we, um, our program is called the Paloma Project and it is a residential program where we're in the middle of raising money, not just for land to build, but we're also raising money monthly. We need monthly support for salaries for the caregivers. And right now, um, something that we've just, uh, just in the last two days, uh, we've got, um, we have an intern here from another shelter giving us just basic policies for trauma-informed care for a residential program. And we're walking through some amazing information. And I was thankful that, you know, she was able to see, okay, what you're doing right now is, is trauma-informed care. You know, we're, we, let's, let's, let's find the weaknesses. And I think that was really exciting for us to just be able to say, okay, here's where we're weak. Here, here's where we can strengthen our hands in this, in this, because the whole sure. point is being able to take a woman and, and, and her come into the residential program to stay for, for several months and just say, okay, I just need to heal. I need mm-hmm. to, um, and I need to be away from that environment that, that caused me so much pain and yeah. trauma. And, and that's, and so we'll, we'll eventually, um, have two locations. One is for specific rescue restoration. And one is just, you know, is to, for strength. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, I think that's just so important because I know for us in Guatemala is we're pursuing 
one of the things that we learned, and you mentioned COVID has, COVID is kind of, um, in so many ways, it's made this whole entire world so much worse mm. because people were, uh, I, you know, they were in place. Everybody was like, stay put. So yeah. that increased, um, you know, there was a very big increase in pornography during yeah. the time of COVID. More people were watching pornographic videos and were watching uh, those types of things. Well, as that goes up, the demand goes up as well. Mm -hmm. And so for that, then, you know, <laughs> I, I just think it's important to say this. Um, don't think that if you're, you know, a part of pornography and, and pornography is a part of your life, you need to understand that you are part of the problem in trafficking. Right. Exactly. Um, and I, I don't know how to say that any more strongly than I just said it, mm -hmm. but you know, a lot of times people think, oh, well, that's just a woman who wanted, you know, who just volunteered yeah. for that. Oh, no, not, not in many, 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 many cases. Um, mm -hmm. Not to say there's never a woman that's trying to move her way up to Hollywood and she's being um, tricked into believing that this is her mm -hmm. access point. But right. honestly, there are so many women around the world that are forced to do this as part of trafficking operations who are directly connected to pornography. Yeah. And you need to, and I, then, I just think that's important. It's so important to, to say that if you are a consumer of pornography, you are investing in trafficking. Um, you might not be going out and physically assaulting a woman, but you are investing if not you, Reba, I'm saying to if, if anybody, those, yeah, those, those who are, those who are investing are, are, are consumers of pornography, because that's one of the yeah. things that when a person gets addicted to pornography, their needs grow and they will in it eventually it does get to the point where where assault happens or those needs grow Absolutely. as well and so it on both sides as far as if you understand if you understand capitalism and if you understand consumerism then yep. you understand that your dollars whether you whether you buy something at McDonald's or you whether you buy something at Target or whatever so many people they um you're you're creating a demand for something and so if you're one of the consumers of pornography that is one of the things that drives trafficking and increases the numbers the numbers are always correlated they are always are so as you yeah. find that what what we found was in even in the villages so, mm -hmm. so just bring that down to a village okay um where maybe there's not you know access to pornographic channels and whatnot but you've got men in that village now that are kind of confined to that village yeah. and there is and they have the sexual drives that they have been filling in variety of ways and now all of a sudden things look different so we had a high proportion of women who were raped in those villages during mm. COVID and those a lot of those women would come to a medical clinic that we've got connected with and some of these girls were 11 and 12 years old that were mm. raped and are now finding themselves pregnant as a result and all of the shame and all of the guilt that goes along with mm -hmm. that even though it wasn't their, those women's yeah. fault Right. Um, but there's still a great, mm -hmm. great uh, burden of shame that goes with that. And so sometimes what, what we begin to understand is due to that shame and guilt, a lot of these women will try to deal with that pregnancy. Some will actually try to hide it for nine months mm -hmm. by wearing larger clothes or whatnot. And then they'll go out and have a baby in a field. Mm -hmm. And as soon as they have that baby, they'll leave that baby in that field yeah. and die. And they'll come back into mm -hmm. the village as if nothing happened. Right. And um, so babies are found in fields. And, you know, then you've got then you've got the women who maybe are going to be abused or beat up as a result of that to try to get that uh, that to a, to baby to abort. Mm -hmm. And so 
you've got crisis points in so right. many ways as yeah. a result of all this. And so uh, what's really cool, we're so excited. We've been able to actually start a, an outreach in as an opportunity in that medical, with that medical clinic mm-hmm. and 32 expecting mothers showed up to our very first wow. outreach opportunity just a few weeks ago. And that's incredible because now not all of those women were raped. Let's just make sure we yeah. put a, a clear a clarity on that. But for those women who uh, were and, and who came and have an opportunity now to actually be, be encouraged and poured into from an emotional, you know, that holistic perspective. Mm-hmm. It's not just the medical clinic yes. that can help them that way, but now they're getting this holistic perspective. Um, and I love that you guys do that at Mercy, and I love that we have the opportunity to do that as Dare for More is expanding into Guatemala. It's so important because it's not, it's like you said, it's not just let's give these people a track and say, right. just pray a prayer. It's mm-hmm. bigger than that. Yeah, exactly. And that's one of the things that um, I think stepping into it, we were, we were partnering with um, a ministry out of, out of Mexico for a little while. And it was interesting because um, when they stepped onto the streets of the Dominican Republic, they'd automatically assumed that it looked like what they experienced in Mexico and every, and so if you hear about, if you hear about a ministry that's happening in the Dominican Republic, that's addressing a specific issue. And you're like, wait, I've got a friend who's working anti-trafficking out in Costa Rica. It does, it's going to look completely different because, yeah. again, uh, the terrain's different. The villages are different. The um, uh, access, to, access to the internet, access to telecommunications drives, yeah. drives some of it. Access to, um, you know, and again, you have to look at, um, like, you ta- like you mentioned in Nepal, the earthquake yeah. changes, the, changes the, the, the face. Of, yes. of what you're seeing. And so even as, even as a director of this ministry down here, we always have to be watching. We were, I was talking with one of my staff members the other day. We're like, it looks, um, outreach looks different than it did a few years ago. Um, yeah. the women, the women are different. They're, 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 they're encountering different struggles and we're not seeing as many out on the streets. Why? Because they're more connected via the internet. And so we actually have to find them, you know, online or, or whatever in other ways and um and so there's got to be a constant fluidity and um, in the way that we minister and in the way that we um that we attack these problems and that's why it's so important to be um to be spiritually equipped and it's so important also to just listen to the holy spirit um but then also continue to educate yourself what we knew 10 years ago is completely different from what we're what we're encountering today and i think you know, several hurricanes since COVID since and, and all of that yeah. stuff has, has affected. Yeah. It constantly changes. Yeah. It does constantly change the landscape of, mm-hmm. and you have to pivot quickly in order to yeah. be able to continue to minister. Um, I think that I told somebody the other day, uh, the old fashioned glow sticks, you know, where they used to, used to break them and shake them and they lit up, yeah. I, you know, honestly, um, as God does his work in his, among his people, he just lights that's almost how I feel some days. It's the Lord's just laying down glow sticks across the path. And yeah. you just, you can't see way ahead, but you can see the next glow stick. Mm-hmm. So you just go yes. to that point. And then when you get there and you look up, you see another glow stick just a little further down the path. And you're like, okay, that's exactly. the way I'm going. Mm-hmm. And I do think that, you know, what's so amazing and maybe what's so different about organizations that don't, that don't have leaders who are following the directives of the Lord and don't have God to guide and lead them is that it's so much of a mm-hmm. almost like throwing darts 
at a dartboard and hoping that you hit it. Whereas right. so many times as we work from the Lord, everybody, you know, God just gives us, opens this door, takes us to mm. this place, bust open this opportunity. And yeah. you're like, oh my word, what are we doing here? You know, Step how did we even this. get yeah. here? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's the Lord leading you to people. Um, so many times we've been told that people have been praying in Guatemala mm. for somebody to come. Yeah. And this is God's answer to prayer for, for them. So I think that, you know, as you, uh, you know, as you're listening, maybe you're joining us on this podcast, I'm hoping that you'll see the need to be an advocate for change. Yes. You don't have to volunteer. You don't have to go get on an airplane necessarily to be an advocate of a cha- mm-hmm. for change, but you can get involved in some way that helps rescue, restore, and bring hope and healing to the lives of women and their families. Uh, you can do that by going to Allie's website over at Mercy. Is, is it, uh, give me your web address, Allie. Mercy what is Jewelry, it? It's mercyjewelry.org. There you go. So you and can then, go over yeah. there. You can learn about their ministry and you can buy jewelry. You can mm-hmm. give to their, to their uh, projects that they're having right yeah. now. You can become a partner. You can do the same thing at dareformore.org. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can find out about Guatemala. You can step into our opportunities. Um, mm-hmm. You can do both. Um, yeah. You know, but. The big deal is uh, get involved somehow. If it's yeah. not with Mercy and if it's never, not for Dare for More, then find one that you're really excited about. Get involved and really make an advocate of change uh, and help people, you know, as they, as hopefully as we can reach one and rescue yeah. one, help mm-hmm. one, um, yeah. you know, and that's, that really makes a big, big, big difference. Now, what is the name? I know because we were, we were talking about, you know, you have Dare for More Ministries, but the name of the ministry in the, in Guatemala, I'm sorry. Uh, what is that name? And you don't have to say it in Spanish if you don't want to, but you know, what is I can it? do that. It, it's do it in Spanish. Puerta de Esperanza. So Bridge of Hope. So, Puerta de Esperanza. Uh, yes. The Bridge of Hope. I think that is beautiful because like you said, as advocates, that is our job is it to is. build a bridge from the, from the, from the margin or from the vulnerability or from the risk issue or the crisis, um, into, uh, into light and hope. Um, and obviously that bridge is going to be, is going to be Jesus Christ. It's all, that's our foundation of everything that we, we work for everything that we do, because we're doing our best to look, I think, I think this is so important. And this is what I see in dear for more. And this is what we're trying to do at mercy. When we look in the scriptures and we look at how Jesus ministered and how he met people and where he met them, um, that's what we're trying to um, to emulate. Yeah, absolutely. Because he really paved the way for this. You know, he fed the five thousand, but he said, hey, I am the bread of life. You know, he he met and, you know, we just got through these series of podcasts on Jesus conversations and he met these people at so many different places. And he he spoke into their need at the moment in order to give himself an opportunity to say, do you know who you're talking to? And I think for us, it's the same thing. We, sometimes we offer bread, we offer medical treatment, we offer clean water, we offer a safe house or an opportunity for a skills training, all for the purpose of being able to say, let us introduce you to the person who can really bring you hope and can really bring you healing. And without him, you can do all of these things, but your life will never be healed. Exactly. Exactly. And I think, um, even, even to, if you're sitting here listening today and again, you're like, yeah, I want to help. Um, I want to help overseas. I want to help some of the problems that I'm seeing in my own city. And then I want to address some of the issues in my own home or in my own heart. Um, 
that's the name of this podcast is Rooted Deep. And and yeah. those roots go deep. Um, and and you're and you're and you're planted by the the rivers of, so you can give fruit in season. And yeah. so um I think I don't I don't remember who it was, whether it was a, a, a an old evangelist said the light that shines the brightest, um, the farthest shines the brightest home. And it's one of those things you have to stay rooted in the Holy Spirit in the word of God, and then you can yeah. extend out and help your home, your family, your community, and into the uttermost parts. Yeah, absolutely. And we would love to have you be a part of that in some way by mm-hmm. connecting with our ministries. That would be awesome. Um, but also I'll tell you what everybody can do. No matter what your situation is today, you can start praying uh, yeah. for women who are in crisis globally. And that's a big mm-hmm. deal. So, uh, man, we're excited now. Allie, next week, we're going to actually interview um, uh, Lacey Toller. And yeah. she is with a rescue, rescue one, I think is the yes. name of her organization. Yeah. And we're excited, um, you know, for the, for this week and next week to talk a little bit about what that looks like. So I know some of you have been like, man, I really want to, I want to get involved. I want to do something. So, uh, we're kind of speaking into that. So, uh, man, thanks for joining us on the podcast mm-hmm. today. And we hope that you'll tune in next week as we interview, uh, Lacey Toller excited about doing that as well. Looking forward to more women, more people, more families speaking in to the lives of people who really are in crisis and do need us at this point. Thank you so much, Reba, for answering our questions about Guatemala and telling us oh, how yeah. to get some coffee. And uh, yeah, we'll see everybody next week. Yeah, see you next week. Thanks for joining the podcast. All right, so you heard about the coffee, and I know you want a cup. You know, I love it because this is the coffee that actually does so many really cool things. So I, for you coffee drinkers out there, maybe you're saying, hey, I already have coffee that I love. And so what I want to ask you is, does your coffee do this? Does your coffee rescue? Does it restore? Does it do all these amazing things? If not, go out to dareformore.org. That's our store. Go right there to our website, click on shop, and grab yourself a bag of coffee and see if you don't think this is amazing coffee and also it does some amazing things. So thanks for going out and grabbing the coffee and helping us get new women cared for in Guatemala. Thank you for listening to Rooted Deep. To learn more about Dare for More Ministries, go to dareformore.org and look up Mercy Workshop at mercyjewelry.org.